Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, this is Dr. Jim Morrow. Uh, I am with Morrow Family Medicine. We have a group of seven providers in Cumming and Milton, Georgia, that are bringing the care back to health care. Uh, we like to think that we are people who will listen to you and try to hear what it is that you're saying and then try to see what it is that's wrong and try to come together to build a plan to make your health as good as it can possibly be. We've been doing this in at Mara Family Medicine since 2011, and we've been incredibly blessed that the people would let us take care of them and know their families and know their issues and problems and help them get through everyday life. So we're enjoying that, and we're also enjoying doing this podcast. We're coming up on a year anniversary, I believe it is, of doing uh, To Your Health podcast, and we're broadcasting here today at the North Fulton Business Radio X studio in the Renaissance Bank on Winwood Parkway in Alpharetta, Georgia, where we always are, and as always, over here running the board and trying to keep me in line is my compadre, Mr. John Ray. Hey, John. Hey, good good morning and congratulations because today is you were talking about the podcast. It's number twenty five. It is. It is number twenty five. Does that come with bells and whistles and confetti and from the ceiling and all that? Yeah, I I, if you happening. want me to break, break out the sound effects, I will. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Well, I have really enjoyed doing this. I'd always wanted to do something like this, and it was right about a year ago that we got started, and it's been a lot of fun. So thank you very much for that, John. Yeah, thank you. It's been a blast. I do think that we're doing a podcast twice a month, the second and fourth Wednesdays, and I really think we could probably do one every time on some form of diet. There are 82 million ways to lose weight, but unfortunately, there are 82 million and one ways to gain weight. I've proven that myself, yes. but we're going to talk about one today that's gaining a lot of popularity is one that I don't have a problem with, unlike some of them. Uh, and what we're talking about today is intermittent fasting. So fasting used to be a religious thing. If you were fasting, it was Lent or whatever, and, and you were doing it for religious reasons. And that's just not the case anymore in all cases, and people certainly still do it for that reason. But there's a new phenomenon in the weight loss world, if you will, called intermittent fasting. It's uh, been growing in popularity. It's, it's also sort of a fitness trend. It's not just for weight loss, but it's just to be healthier in, in ways. And the first time a patient ever mentioned it to me, I said, well, I'm not doing intermittent fasting. I do intermittent eating, which is the way I got in trouble in the first place with my weight. So when you're doing intermittent fasting, you alternate between periods of eating and periods of fasting. I mean, clearly you can't fast all the time, so it's something that you have to be uh, controlled about, if you will. And this type of eating is described as patterns or cycles of fasting. There are several different approaches to this, but it all comes down to what works for you which is true for most things. But it certainly comes down to what works in your life, with your schedule, with your routine and your family and everything else. Some people find it easy to fast for 16 hours a day, and they eat just during an eight-hour period, maybe nine to five. Now, that doesn't mean they eat the entire time. They're not eating 
constantly, as good as that would be, from 9 to 5. They're, they're eating periodically during those hours, and they don't eat solid food at all during the other times. Now, one thing that you have to understand is when you're, quote, fasting for weight loss and for the dietary fitness reasons, you're still drinking liquid. You want to be sure you're drinking plenty of water. You want to drink something caffeine-free, something that's sugar-free. Uh, so black coffee, caffeine-free coffee especially, other things that are sugar-free and caffeine-free are fine to drink. And so it does limit you, but it gives you plenty of liquid so that you're not getting dehydrated because we don't want you getting sick. We just want you to be healthier and hopefully lose some weight. So a lot of people do, like I said, this between the hours of 9 and 5 and the rest of the time they don't eat. And some people have a, a hard time with that need to shorten that fasting window. Well, you have to figure out if, if intermittent fasting is a good idea for you. And there's been a lot of research on the topic, and it's shown several benefits that you might imagine from intermittent fasting. You can lose weight. You can lower your blood pressure. Your metabolic health, your metabolism rate can actually improve. And there's a lot of research that still needs to be done, but we believe that intermittent fasting is probably not only a good thing, but a beneficial thing for people to do in order to maintain their weight better. It's also probably a little bit easier to maintain the, the routine of intermittent fasting than it is a lot of other diets. Some diets are just, you can look at them and tell this is impossible to do over the long haul. And everything about losing weight is about the long haul because nobody really wants to lose weight. People want to weigh less and they want to do it for the long term. And this is something that actually might, might happen. Now, severely restricting calories or not eating for long periods of time is, is not good for anybody. And research shows that some people who do intermittent fasting don't usually stick to, or people that do intermittent fasting don't usually stick with it as compared to those trying to lose weight on more traditional diets. So it, it, it just depends on if you think it's a good idea for you. If you think that Weight Watchers is a better thing for you or the Lose It app is something that can help for you, that's fine. But if you think this is a good idea, then this is – uh, something you can try, and we're going to get into some details about what it really involves. It has been shown to be effective, and I think it's hard to argue. I preach to people all the time that if you just eat less food, you're going to weigh less. And so if, you're, if your goal and your, your objective is to do that, if you're doing intermittent fasting, by definition, I believe it's pretty straightforward. You're going to be eating less food. But you need to figure out how you're going to incorporate this style of diet into your everyday life, especially when it comes to things like social events and staying active and that kind of thing. So let's, let's talk about some of the options with intermittent fasting. The first one that uh, you read about is called a twice-a-week method. In this method, this is a five-and-two method. Five days you do normal things and two days you uh, do intermittent fasting. So you're capping your calories Two days a week, you cap your calories to very low number, which is in the neighborhood of 500 calories a day. Now, 500 calories a day is not a lot. It, it, it's, it's less than you could even imagine. It's, it's four apples. It just doesn't come to a whole lot of food. Um, but yeah, that's what you do on two days a week. Now, during the other five days, you maintain a healthy, normal diet. But 
I will tell you, you're probably not going to be able to maintain the same diet that got you in trouble in the first place because overall, you're not going to decrease your overall calorie intake enough to really lose an appreciable amount of weight. And I will tell you, too, that if you're older, if you're postmenopausal female, this is just that much more difficult, so you really have to seriously restrict your calorie intake. On the days when you're doing the fasting, usually you have a 200-calorie meal and a 300-calorie meal. And you can essentially eat anything you want for those calories, but it's just not a lot of calories. And typically people will do that on a twice-a-day basis with lots to drink in between. You want to focus on the high-fiber, high-protein foods because they help fill you up. And it's a lot easier to do this if you're not starving all the time. But you want to keep the calories low, so you want to try to look for foods like that. And you can choose whichever two days you want. It doesn't really matter which days they are. Uh, They might be uh, Tuesday and Thursday, but you need a non-fasting day in between. Don't try to do it two days in a row. But you can do it any way you want and whatever works for your schedule. And I'll, I'll say, too, I don't think it needs to be the same two days every week. It's just important that during the week you fast for two days and you have a non-fasting day in between those two days. Now, another way to do it is what's called a, a modified fasting every other day, the alternate day fasting, if you will. So in a case like that, you might limit your calories on fasting days to about the 500, like I said, a 200 and a 300-calorie meal. And on the non-fasting days, you go back to your regular diet and just alternate a fasting, non-fasting, fasting, non-fasting. And if, if you don't know this, it takes, 30, it takes the avoidance of 3,500 calories to lose a pound. So on, re- on regular days, if you're eating 2,000 calories and you go to 1,500, then that's 500 calories a day. You'll lose a pound a week. If you're doing it this way, you might not lose a pound a week, but you can certainly lose weight. And it might be something that you can actually pull off and stay on for the long term because it's really important that you try to find something you can do for the long term. Now, there was a study I saw that showed that people following this pattern, the alternate day, for six months had higher cholesterol than they did before they started doing the diet. And I don't think there's a great explanation for that, but it is something to keep in mind if cholesterol is something that you deal with then you want to be careful about that. And I think the most important thing is you want to be careful about the choices you make on your non-fasting days. And then there's a time-restricted model. And this is where, kind of like what I mentioned at the very beginning, you have 16 hours a day when you don't eat anything solid, you're just drinking liquids, and the rest of the time, the other eight hours, you're eating a normal diet. Now, you can do it for 16 hours and eat for 8. You can do it fast for 14, eat for 10. There's 24 hours a day. You do the math. You can do it any way you want to, really, as long as in the, at the end of the day you're eating less food than you had been. So this is popular because people fast while they're asleep, so that's 6 to 8 hours probably right there that you don't have to worry about, so you only have another 8 hours of the day to fast and 8 hours of the day you can eat. So that's something that people have had some pretty good success with. It's convenient, and that's important, if you extend the overnight fast by skipping breakfast and don't eat till lunch. I've talked to patients in the office that are doing this, and and they tend to eat starting later in the morning and finish up early. And that way they're not eating 
close to bedtime, and everybody knows you're better off if you don't eat near the time when you go to bed because there's no activity between then and bedtime, and you're not burning any of that off. So you can do the 16-8 or the 14-10, fast for 16 hours and eat for 8 and so forth. This method can be repeated as often as you like, and you can do it twice a week or once a week, whatever your personal preference is. And, and really, I think that's important because you need an opportunity to do normal things, and you need a, need a diet that you can follow successfully and, and be pleased with and, and do it for the long term. Because if you're going to do this, you really have to remember that this is definitely a long-term deal. It's probably a better thing doing the 16-8 and 14-10. It's probably better for people who are just getting interested in trying intermittent fasting. I think a lot of people would have difficulty doing a 500-calorie-a-day diet a couple of times a week uh, if if they had just started into this and were just getting involved in it. I just think that's asking an awful lot of somebody. And the last one that I don't think is a terribly good idea is the 24-hour fast, the eat-stop-eat method that I read about. And in this method, it involves completely fasting for a full 24 hours. Again, liquids, no solids for a full 24 hours. And people might do this once or twice a week. Well, for starters, I don't see this being a great way to lose weight because it's only once or twice a week. And I also don't see it as being anything people are likely to do for a terribly long period of time. Most people will fast when they do this. They'll fast from breakfast to breakfast or lunch to lunch. I don't think it's particularly important how you do that. But the side effects can be extreme, I think is a good way to put it. You can you can count on being fatigued, and I think that makes sense. You can have headaches, and people get headaches because they start to produce ketones when I refer you back to the podcast on the keto diet. But if you're making ketones because you're using fat for energy, that's great because you're breaking down fat, but it's bad because you're producing ketones and you end up with headaches. And you can be irritable. And here's a shocker, you could be hungry, and your energy could be low. So these things are fairly self-explanatory, but the things you need to think about if you're going to be doing a 24-hour fast on the eat-stop-eat method, and like I said, I really don't recommend it. And on the non-fasting days, you just go back to your normal healthy diet, healthy being the key word. You can't go back to KFC and pizza. You have to go back to some sort of healthy diet. Now, I think it's important, too, that people understand as nice as intermittent fasting might be and certainly as popular as it's becoming, it's not a magic pill. I don't care if you're doing intermittent fasting, the keto diet, the high-protein Mediterranean diet. It doesn't matter. It all comes down to the quality of the calories you're putting in and how much you're consuming. The bottom line with intermittent fasting, even though the jury's kind of still out on this, it's crucial to eat a healthy, well-balanced diet while you're following intermittent fasting. Like I said, you can't eat fast food all the time and then stop eating for 16 hours and then eat fast food. It just doesn't work that way. The side effects I mentioned, and I think it's important to understand that the side effects will be there in depending on the way you do this. They might be there all the time and for the duration of the diet. For example, if you do the 24-hour fast, I don't think you're ever going to get accustomed enough to this to not have those side effects. Now, if you do the 
the 16-hour-a-day fast and the eight-hour-a-day eating period, I think over time you could become accustomed to that, and I don't think you would have some of those side effects. But if you're at, at risk of an eating disorder, I think it's important to really take a step back and talk to your physician about whether or not this is a good idea. Uh, it, it probably is not the diet for you if you have any version of an eating disorder. So how do you start? Well, I would start with a, a simple form of intermittent fasting, a more moderate approach of the time-restricted eating probably. You can start by cutting out nighttime eating and snacking, and then start to limit your eating window and narrow down the time when you eat each day. Eat a little later in the morning, stop a little earlier at night, that kind of thing. And as you progress and you monitor how you feel, then you can choose to gradually increase the fasting window. And the more you do of that, the more successful you're going to be because when it's said and done, then you're going to be eating a total less number of calories on a given day and you're going to lose weight. Now, with any diet, it's important to understand that diets have plateaus. Diets have periods of weight loss and then plateau. And women, I mentioned postmenopausal women, and I pick on them a lot in this regard. And unfortunately, it's because they have a lot of trouble with it. But if you're a postmenopausal woman, you probably are going to plateau at the very beginning, which means you're going to be frustrated at the very beginning. And if you're doing this and you're religious about it, it would not shock anybody for you to go three months without losing much in the way of appreciable weight. But if you stick with it and you're true to yourself and you're really honest about how you're eating, you're eating a healthy diet during the eating times and you're being really fasting and you're doing that during the fasting times, you will start to lose weight. The To Your Health podcast is brought to you by Mara Family Medicine. We're a typical family practice that brings care back to health care, as we like to say, by using technology, the latest we can use and the latest we can find, and then old-fashioned attitudes to try to do our best just to make you feel better every day. Uh, we understand that when we see you, the odds are that you're not at your best. You're not feeling your best. You're not happy with the way things are in, in life at the very moment. So it, it's a, a bad beginning a lot of times, and it's incumbent upon us and any healthcare provider to do everything they can to make your day better. And we like to think that when you leave, you at least feel a little bit better than you did when you got there. I appreciate everyone listening to these podcasts. Uh, we hope that wherever you're listening, whatever app you're listening on or computer, that You'll take a chance to hit the subscribe button so that you can be updated when we have new podcast episodes out there. And if you have ideas for uh, shows and topic ideas, you can send those to us. If you have questions or comments, you can send those as well. You can email those to us at drjim at toyourhealth.md, or you can tweet us at toyourhealthmd. So that's a couple of ways you can get with us and communicate, and we hope that you'll do that. So another thing I want to talk about that is a sort of tangential topic to intermittent fasting is a, a condition called autophagy. Autophagy is a weird word, and it's one that none of you have heard, most likely. It's A-U-T-O, auto, P-H-A-G-Y, phagy, which means to eat. 
And what this is, this is a process of cell breakdown that gets rid of old cells in your body and helps keep them from becoming a problem slash cancer in your body at some point in the future. So in 2016, a Japanese cell biologist by the name of Yoshinori Osumi won the Nobel Prize in Medicine. And he won it for his research on how cells recycle and renew their content in this process called autophagy. Fasting activates autophagy, and that's why we're talking about it. Because people who do intermittent fasting seriously, do it religiously, do it daily, do it correctly, they activate this process in the body and increase this process in the body. And autophagy slows down the aging process and has a positive impact on cell renewal. So that's win-win all the way around. Now, when you're starving, cells break down proteins and other cell components and use them for energy. I mentioned a minute ago, if you're not getting enough of one type of food, then your, your body breaks down fat and uses it for energy, and that helps with weight loss. Well, during autophagy, cells destroy viruses and bacteria, and they get rid of damaged structures. And this, this is a process that's critical for the cell's health and for cell renewal and for survival. There's nothing good that's going to come from a bunch of viruses and bacteria being in your body, even dead ones, and, and damaged structures being in your cells. And so if you can get rid of those in some way, then this is going to be something that can really be beneficial for your long-term health. Now, Dr. Asumi created a whole new field of science with his work studying autophagy in yeast cells, which is where he started. He discovered that the autophagy gene is used by higher organisms, including humans, and that mutations in these genes can cause disease. But all types of cells, animals, plants, and even single-cell organisms, rely on autophagy to withstand famines. So when food is at its absolute lowest, autophagy helps cells and therefore organisms and therefore people in this case survive. So this was first discovered back in the 1960s and has been researched primarily by Dr. Asumi and his group ever since then. When he started researching autophagy, there were less than 20 papers published on the subject, and now there's 5,000 a year. And so you can see that this is getting more and more interest, and the biggest reason for that is because we firmly believe that autophagy is one of the things that helps prevent cancer in the human body. Now, scientists have found that fasting for 12 to 24 hours triggers autophagy. So if you're doing the 16-8 daily time-restricted fasting, then this is enough to trigger autophagy in your body. And it's thought to be one of the reasons that fasting is associated with longevity. And if you read back in the, through history, the the period, the people, usually religious individuals who have done a great deal of fasting have lived great long lives. There's a ton of research that connects fasting with improved blood sugar control, reduced inflammation, losing weight, and better brain function. And reduced inflammation is probably the most important thing of all of those because we're learning more and more, seems like every day, that 
inflammation is a cause of Alzheimer's. It's a cause of heart disease. It's certainly a cause of cancer. Uh, it's a cause of arthritis, which goes without saying. And so if, you're, if you have less inflammation in your body, you're going to feel better and be healthier and most likely live longer and feel better while you're doing it. Exercise also helps to in- induce autophagy. So if you can manage while you're doing intermittent fasting or any other type of fasting, if you can manage to squeeze some exercise into your week, then that's just going to help that much more. So I wanted to throw that in because I think it's incredibly interesting, uh, certainly to a geek like myself, uh, but I think it's important to understand that that's one of the ways that intermittent fasting can actually help you. So before we go, I want to talk a little bit about some of the myths about intermittent fasting because, as you might imagine, with anything out there, there's plenty of that. I guess we can we don't have to thank the internet for that, but we can certainly thank it for the spread of these myths. The first one, the first myth is intermittent fasting is a starvation diet. Well, it's not. You're not going to starve if you skip a meal. You're not even going to starve if you fast for 24, 48 hours. But research shows that you have to fast more than 60 hours straight before your resting metabolic rate drops. So it's not going to kill you if you do this. One study showed even that the metabolic rate actually increased after 36 hours of fasting. And humans know how to fast. It's helped us survive famines for centuries. But starvation is something completely different, and that is nothing like what we're talking about. So this is not a starvation diet. Myth number two, you'll be hungry all day long. No, you won't. You'll be hungry when you're not eating. And I'll tell you, if you're trying to lose weight and you're not feeling hungry, you're not going to lose weight. That's just the way it is. Research shows that on the fasting days, hunger can actually decrease. And if you think about it, that's got something to do with your stomach getting smaller and so forth. Myth number three, on the off days, you can eat whatever you want. I love that. If you could, I'd be sitting at KFC doing this show right now with a bucket of fried chicken in front of me, and I'm not because you can't eat whatever you want. Like I said, you have to eat a healthy, reasonable diet on the times when you're eating. And so if you do that and you alternate that with some fasting periods, then you can lose weight. Myth number four, once you start an intermittent fasting plan, you're stuck doing it for life. Now, why would that be the case? I have no concept of why that would be the case. The beauty of intermittent fasting is it alters your cravings and your hunger. I can tell you from personal experience that if you go long enough without sugar and sugar substitutes, and that's important, you're not going to feel the same about sugar as you did when you were eating it just any time you felt like you might want to. So after you've gone without that midnight snack of potato chips or whatever it might be, you're eventually no longer going to crave it. You might not even want it. So that's an important thing too. And I'll say too, fasting for long periods should always be done under the supervision of a doctor. I'm not saying that if you're going to do intermittent fasting, you have to go to a doctor. But if you're thinking about doing anything longer than what I've described, please do that under the supervision of a physician. So I hope that that's educational enough so that if you've heard people talk about intermittent fasting, you'll be able to go out and and try this on your own. I will refer you to the show notes, which are available on the Business Radio X website. 
because if you look at those, you can get some ideas about what I've been talking about. We try to provide those every week. And, John, that's pretty much what I got about intermittent fasting. So one thing I would want to alert folks to is you mentioned the keto diet in the episode on the keto diet that you did last year. Right. That's um, episode number six uh, last April. So check that out in our archive. Very good. Um, but I do have a couple of questions for you. Yeah. What you got? So I had uh, uh, somebody ping me regarding what you think of a 10-day fast. So an ex- more, more of an extended fast. Well, I don't think it's a very good idea right off the bat uh, for a couple of reasons. One is if you fast for 10 days, I don't see the real benefit to that. Um, you're not really going to lose much in the way of weight in a 10-day period, so you're not really doing it for that probably. Uh, if you If you do that, you're probably going to feel terrible for the first – four or five days. I think that's a problem. I just, I just don't see a real benefit to doing a 10 day fast. So you mentioned that obviously you can't go eat anything you want on your uh, eating days, shall we say that the times that you're eating. Right. Um, Is, do you think intermittent fasting is like a lot of diets where if you really get on it and you start eating healthy you really feel like eating better food? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's the same, it's the same principle. I, I think it is. I think it's exactly that. Uh, and, and like I said a minute ago, if you, if you don't eat these foods that aren't good for you, then you're going to eat, you're going to want less of the foods that aren't good for you. And when you're thinking about foods that aren't good for you, it's very simple to know which ones are. If you're in a grocery store, if you're in the aisle on a grocery store, it's not good for you. In the middle of the store. Yeah, if you're in the perimeter of the grocery store, yeah. it's good for you. Right. So people should eat most of their food from the perimeter of the grocery store because that's where the produce and the meat and the fruit and the dairy are. And mm-hmm. that's what we ought to be eating. Sure. And not all these things in boxes that have been processed and have sugar added to them and so forth and so on. As delicious as they are, they're not the places we ought to be getting our food. And then conversely, if you – um, break down during your eating period. I forget exactly what you called it, but um, and you have uh, some foods that are let's let's say high in fat and uh, whatnot. Uh, that could be really worse for you, right? Well, it can be, and and also if you've gone a while without those and then you eat them, you're probably your stomach and GI tract is probably going to have an adverse reaction to that. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully expect that to be the case. Uh, and and also it's important to know too that if you do that, whether you have a bad reaction to it or not, if you do that, it's not the end of the world. I think the worst thing people do sometimes is they'll they'll diet for a bit and then they'll have a a something happen, usually it's something emotional, and they eat in response to that and eat a quart of ice cream. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, I blew it now. Might as well just stay off the diet. Well, no, you didn't blow it. All you did was have one moment in time when you didn't do as well as you could have and should have. So you go right back to doing what you were doing before. And and that moment will pass and go on. And the next day you go back to try, or the next moment even, you go back to trying to do your very best because that's all anybody can ever ask of you. Sure, sure. So, um, 
So what's the bottom line here? I mean, you were pretty clear on the keto diet, and we'll let people listen to that episode to find out why you said what you said, but you weren't an endorser of that diet, right? to say the least. Right. So where are you on intermittent fasting? I thought I heard a tentative okay. Yeah. Maybe it's not what you would do, but but you, you're okay with it for folks that want to try it. I think it's a fine diet to try. Now, my problem with keto is not keto as it was originally designed, because the keto diet as it was originally designed is actually a pretty healthy diet. But the way patients and people, patients I talk to about it, and people do keto is they'll have high-fat days, and they talk about eating a pound of bacon a day, and there's <laughs> just nothing good that's ever going to come from that diet, period. But this diet, I think, again, if you're – smart and you're not trying to con the system which is conning yourself and you're not eating terrible foods on the periods when you are eating i think this is a great diet i think this is a, a very good idea and and if you think about it i think people as they get older trend to this anyway yeah because you see i mean golden corral is full at four o'clock mm. of older people much older than you and me, John. Absolutely. But it's full of older people because they're eating early, and everybody knows older people eat early. Mm-hmm. And they also might get up later and might start the dating later. And I think that could easily just be a self-protective mechanism that leads them to a sort of an intermittent fasting type of plan, whether they intend it that way or not. Right. But I have no problem with doing this. My cardiologist does this, and, and he uh, he looks like a million bucks. He's lost all kind of weight since he started doing it, and he talks about being healthier, and he's actually the one that told me about autophagy uh, oh, wow. in, in the first place. And I, th- I think that's a very good reason to do something like this because if we can do anything at all to reduce the the waste in our body and the toxins, if you will, in our body, then I think this is a great idea. So, yeah, I'm, I think it's good for anybody that wants to try it. Just be careful and be smart. Awesome. And just a reminder to folks that we're always uh, open to suggestions on topics like this one, right? We are, because when you've done 25 of these, it's not the easiest thing in the world to think of what you're going to do the 26th one on. But you just told me we got tons of diet shows we can we do. do. <laughs> we, could, we could change it to your diet. And right. we, we could do one every every week. There's no question about For sure. That. I want to thank everybody for listening. And for now, that is to your health.